Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to up-level their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour podcast. I'm here today with Jack Fish. Jack is a copywriter, strategist, and writing coach for business owners who want to sound human while they change the world. She helps them ditch the jargon so that they can relate to and connect with their perfect clients using engaging online copy that sells. Before launching her writing and coaching business, Jacqueline spent 13 years working in corporate communications and management consulting. She's collaborated with 200 plus clients ranging from Fortune 500 companies, the U.S. government, tech startups, life and business coaches, naturopaths, therapists, hypnotists, sports coaches, creatives, and more. She is passionate about helping entrepreneurs drop the fuzzy writing and jargon and instead communicate authentically, letting their personality shine through and always in the simplest way possible. Through her unfussy writing, editing, and coaching, as well as thought-provoking blog posts and online writing workshops, she's here to show you that simplicity is always a good idea and writing can be unreasonably fun. Jacqueline lives near Chicago, Illinois with her husband, two spirited little kids, a dog, no houseplants, and most of her sanity. So I'm really excited to have Jack here today to chat all about writing that feels good. So let's just dive right in. Hey Jack, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat all about writing that feels good. So before you dive into this episode, tell us a little about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Hey Jenny, yes, I am happy to be here. So thank you for having me. And my journey here is probably like a lot of other people's. It was not a direct route. It was not like, I'm going to go to school and then I'm going to be a writer. It was long and windy. Started off as a creative kid, and then I put that creativity aside for many, many years and went to business school, got a business degree, worked in management consulting for quite a long long time, and I was good at the corporate thing. I was really good at climbing the ladder. wasn't necessarily in writing at that time. And then um, after a series of layoffs, three, so being laid off three times within five years, oh my gosh. I knew for sure that there was no such thing as job security. <laughs> like it, it was proven. And after the second time, I knew I had to do something on my own and I didn't know what that was. It took me a good eight years or so to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> I mean, eventually you figured it out, right? So Yeah, it, eventually. Yes, it definitely took some trial and error. So to the people who are sitting there like, I need to start something or I'm not sure this is the right thing. The fact that you're starting is what you needed to do. So my business originally started as a vegan food blog. Okay. And I'm not vegan anymore. <laughs> I don't even care about food anymore. Now food just serves a, I mean, yeah, I love it, but it serves a purpose now. Yeah. It's about the other stuff. So I was like teaching classes and blogging and writing a lot about it. And then I discovered it wasn't the food I cared about so much. It was the writing. Mm. And I had that aha moment of like in throughout my career in management consulting and then corporate communications, 
the one theme was that people were always asking me for my help on their writing. I was writing proposals worth millions of dollars to sell big government projects and communicating complicated technical things. And I was like, oh, this feels easy. Like when people would ask me for like, help me with my LinkedIn profile or my resume, I'm like, yeah, this is awesome and so easy. And when I had the aha moment, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start doing this as a business and I'm gonna grow it on the side until I could leave my corporate job. I needed enough momentum to be able to leave. And once I had enough momentum, it probably took about a year and a half, I quit and made it my full-time job. And now it's been a little over two years. Yeah, that's and never looking back. <laughs> well, it's just crazy, like to hear about people's different journeys. I always like to hear about that because, like, everyone has like somewhat of a similar story. Like, a lot of people end up like doing the corporate route, and then they're like, "No, nah, this is not for me." But everyone has like some middle path that's a little bit different. Um, so it's always interesting to hear, and I love that you were kind of like, "It's it's not going to come immediately." Like, some people like quit, and you know they make it happen, and you know they figure out exactly what they want to do from the very beginning. But that's not always everyone's like kind of experience with it. Yeah, I wish that had have been my experience. It would have been easier. Although <laughs> I full, I also fully believe all the experiences I had in corporate helped me as a business owner today. Totally. So. Totally. I totally agree with that as well. Um, I mean, I wasn't in corporate very long. I think I was in for like a year and a half. It really wasn't long at all, but it, <laughs> it's funny because it literally took me like, I applied to like a hundred something jobs before I finally got one. And even in that job, I had to like go up against one other girl and we had to do like social media strategy for three months. And that was unpaid. So at that point, it wasn't even guaranteed that either of us would get the role. And then I ended up getting the role. But it was just like, wow, this job market is so insane that I literally had to do free work. And I'm not even like an entrepreneur at this point. Like I'm just doing like free work to get a job that pays me less than $30,000 a year. Yeah. And you're like, what's what's this for? Yeah. <laughs> like, this again? like, am I going to be like on a rocket ship going to Mars or, or like the moon or something? Like what, what am I doing here? Like, why, why is it so like hard to get this job? Like I'm not doing anything super technical. Why can't you just make a decision? But yeah, so I, I had that journey. And then <laughs> once I got there, I was like, well, you know, I don't even like this very much. So now I'm just going to go, I should have just done this from the get go. But you know, this right. just, we have those experiences and we learn from them. And I think if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have just started being an entrepreneur, I wouldn't have had the same kind of feeling about it. Probably. I feel like I needed to get into the corporate world for at least a little bit to realize that's what I need to do. So yeah, totally. So today we're going to be talking about writing that feels good because I know that's something I personally struggle with. I know it's something a lot of people out there struggle with. So let's just dive right in. So I know that there's so many icky marketing messages out there. You know, you see those Facebook ads and you're just like, cringe like this is horrible <laughs> and, it doesn't, and it doesn't feel good for everyone's but like we want to find things that feel good for us writing that feels good copy that is going to sell but it's also going to be you know we're not going to put it out and be like okay well I'm going to make sales but this feels really yucky so how can we kind of write that enticing copy that also feels good for us deep down good question I hear this a lot. A lot of business owners love what they do, love the product they make, love those services, and they hate when it comes time to sell it. And it absolutely can feel easy and not slimy or gross or any of that. So I think 
a, a big part that goes into it is if it is, feels like slimy now, then it's probably not the right copy for you. It's, it's not totally aligned. So when it comes to writing sale, sales copy specifically and most copy on your website, it is your client's language. So yeah. it's not you trying to be fancy or salesy or using big marketing words that work. It's about using your customer's words. Yeah. And then it's, it's like having a conversation. You're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Your clients and customers are telling you what they want. They're telling you their problems. Mm -hmm. They're telling you their, what they really want, what their deepest desires are, and you're echoing their words back to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing that well, it won't feel gross yeah. because it's like a, uh, any kind of one-to-one -one conversation. Someone tells me all your problems. Like I'm having a problem connecting with my audience. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Thanks for telling me that you're having a problem connecting with your audience. So reflecting the same words back to you. Mm -hmm. So the reader doesn't feel gross. Yeah. The reader is reading the words that they would say when they complain about their problem, which builds trust. And when you build trust as a business owner, then they want to work with you and know that you understand their problem. So I think that's um, the biggest takeaway is using client language. Yeah, I think so too. Um, how do we like connect with them to get that lingo? Like, do you recommend hopping on calls with them or, you know, anything else to get that kind of lingo that they already use and resonate with? Yes. Calls are great. Calls are actually the best way because you'll be one-to-one -one and you can dig in and have a conversation. There are other ways too, if you have not been able to get on the phone, you can also look at previous clients or customers, ask them, have a conversation with them. Hey, why did you start working with me? What, what were you struggling with? What results did you get? Even if you didn't do that initially when mm -hmm. you started working with people, you can also tap into like Facebook groups or mm -hmm. any online community where these conversations are happening and people are complaining about those things. And observing the conversations. Sometimes you can jump, definitely jump in and ask some questions and through asking those questions and, and helping people online, they'll also come to recognize you as an expert, which is a whole other yeah. <laughs> tangent, yeah. but having, peeping in on those conversations, having conversations and when they start talking about what they're struggling with, definitely that's when to start paying attention. Yeah. And when it comes to what they want, I also recommend Everyone do this, but keeping a Google Doc or some document on your computer, wherever you keep stuff of client language. Mm -hmm. Anytime you hear something said in a podcast interview, in a group, on a complaint, any, any conversation you're having, record their exact words and put that in there. So then when it comes time to writing your sales copy, you'll have a bunch of words that your clients have already given you for inspiration. Yeah. Let's go back. Like what problem am I solving? Okay, I get to go to that and then yeah exactly I think that's really helpful yeah and for one thing that I do is I have a Facebook group and it's specifically for social media managers and then I have a product that's specifically for social media managers so one of the questions when they join the Facebook group they have to answer these questions otherwise I deny them and it says like what's your biggest struggle as a social media manager and then they put that so then I can target it like back when the sales copy I can kind of go and revamp it and be like oh well a lot of people said 
their biggest struggle is, you know, keeping up with, you know, all their clients, not, not attracting clients, but like once they have clients, like keeping up with all the stuff. So like kind of talking about that and it, that helps me too. And it's less direct. So you don't feel like as like, I'm pushing them to give me this, this information. They're just like have to answer that or they don't get in. So it's like one of those things. Um, it, it's, it's like less invasive, but it's still like really helpful. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in a similar note, it will feel less icky if you're in sales language specifically, I like to use client focus language. So mm -hmm. that means focusing totally on the other person and hardly at all on you. Like yeah. I'm the expert. I know all this, which is not what you're selling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, like the, for me, those ads that really get me are like, it's, it's like I made $300,000 last year and I only worked 10 hours a, like a month or something crazy. Like that stuff doesn't get it for me. But I think if they had turned it around and like said like, do you want to do this, blah, 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 not I did this, I did this, I did this. When you focus it on the client, it makes it a little bit easier for them to digest, even if you're still throwing out those like, you know, money figures and stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. And then for at like, let's go with that as an example. So they want to make a certain amount of money in a year. Mm -hmm. Instead of asking them, do you want to make $300,000 this year? It's wording it as a statement, which comes across as more powerful. Yeah. You want to make $300,000 this year. Yeah. And no. you're not sure how to do it. Yeah. You're, stuck. you're reading all the blogs, you're buying all the courses and you're not taking them. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Like that's more enticing than like, do you want to make this? It's like, well, yeah, they probably do. Like who doesn't want to make, you know, that amount of money? Like why yeah. would you want to make that? So it's like, that's kind of a silly question you've been asked. So exactly. yeah, but I think that's really, that's helpful to pose it as like more of a statement because it's like, you already know that's what they want to do. So like go with it. Don't, don't question it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's really helpful. So other than that, like, do you have any other tips on how to kind of gather that language um, from our customers and clients and things like that to not only put in our sales copy, but just kind of like to craft the product itself as well? Because I feel like a lot of the time, like we have these product ideas in mind and then we're like, I'm just going to make this half the time people don't even do any type of research. You're like, I just think everyone needs this. And then they don't like include things that people actually need within the product itself. So I think it can also like be utilized for actual creation of the product too, versus just the sales copy. Yeah. There, there's a lot of ways you can gather that information. So if, if you are just starting out and don't have a lot of clients or experience, you, you might be guessing a little bit Yeah, and that's okay. So know that your first draft of a sales page, will change like, <laughs> get it as good as you can yes i agree do not create it on your own like with just a bunch of stuff you think <laughs> have some conversations do some surveys with your audience like to a specific targeted group if you can perhaps you know like 10 people have bought from you in the past send an email to those 10 people with a handful of questions, getting them to answer them. And then that will give you more information. And then based on their responses, you can dig even deeper. Yeah. Same with, um, so that applies to not just sales copy, but your entire website. Yeah. And your website is to sell. Your website is, yeah. your the whole job is to sell. <laughs> right. So that language will go into 
your product as well because you're speaking directly to one person, which is another helpful way to look at it. If you think of your favorite person you've ever worked with, they, they were perfect for you and you delivered great results. How do you speak to that one person in your sales language and in your product? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's something, something a lot of people get stuck on because they're like trying to like make it appealing to the masses versus like really keeping that one client in mind because they get stuck like, Oh, like that one client is enough. Like that one ideal person. And it's like, but when you have that ideal person in mind, you attract other people too. You're not just attracting one single person, you know? So it's like one of those things that people get stuck on and they don't have like that abundant mindset, I guess you can say. Right. They're just like, oh, like if I only target Sally, only Sally is gonna care, and then I'll only have one customer. It's like, no, no, no. Like being too broad can be a fault sometimes too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, target that one person and then go back and edit. Every time you get more sales, work with more people, you'll have more insights that will inform your next round of writing. So like even anyone who launches a the same program once a year mm -hmm. if you read their sales copy it's different every single year yeah. and if, some, if it's like, not then you need to make it different because you know you need to continue tweaking it and making sure that each time you're getting more people in and you know each time you learn more and more about your people especially the people who buy you can figure out like okay why did they buy you know kind of figure that out ask them you know what made you hit that buy button and then most of the time they'll be pretty candid with you on that so Absolutely. Um, so I feel like when we're, especially with sales copy for me personally, like that's where I mostly get stuck. Um, but if we're feeling stuck with writing in general, just like whether that's email marketing, sales copy, or even our about page, what are, what's some advice that you can give us to help us get back on track? Cause I know when I get frustrated with writing, I like don't want to touch it for another entire week. And I'm like, I don't have this time to be not touching this for a whole week, but it just kind of puts me off for that long because I'm just like, I'm over this. I can't do this anymore. Like what kind of advice do you have to help us get back in that mindset where we're ready to, you know, whip out some awesome sales copy or some awesome email copy or whatever that may be. Good question. I, I, I totally understand how so many people get stuck and the way to get unstuck will depend on you. So you might have to try a couple of different things to know what works. So here are some ideas I share with my clients. Um, Sometimes if you're stuck writing, try talking it out. Use voice to text. Mm. It, and that applies for everything. So I do that all the time. Sometimes I will you do my weekly blog post over text instead of typing. Also because as a writer, I spend a lot of time staring at a screen. <laughs> yeah. If you want that break, um, taking it away from there and then putting it in text. So you can go back and edit. Sometimes makes it so much easier. Another way is to change your method for writing. So if you're writing on your computer, try taking pen to paper, journal some notes out, put some rough notes first. Another way is to change your scenery. If yes. you sit at the same desk in your home office every day, chances are you just need a fresh perspective. So oh. even if your like, coffee shop is too far away, Go work on the couch. Even changing your scenery up within your home can help. Um, some other things that work are writing something else. So if you're stuck writing sales copy, you know you need to write something, go write an email. Just get in the flow of writing something 
Mm -hmm. And maybe that writing is not a Facebook post (laughs) or scrolling Instagram or scrolling Pinterest. It's write something, write something for your business. Another thing I do with uh, some of my writing workshops is we warm up before we start writing. So before we even jump into writing sales copy or any copy, we do, so there's a couple names for this, stream of consciousness writing, morning pages, free writing, getting the gunk out of your head is a simple way to describe it. And just, it's pen to paper, journaling. It can be done on the computer too. I like pen to paper because it forces your brain to slow down. Mm-hmm. And getting the junk out and then get to writing. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Those yeah, and I think the, um, the last one is putting it on the calendar and yeah. having accountability. So mm-hmm. having co-writing sessions. So I host some of those where we get live on a Zoom call and I'm like, hey, everyone, what are you writing today? They yeah. declare it and we sit down and we start writing. I think that's helpful because like a lot of people, like if they don't want to do it and they're not in that mindset and they don't like, there's like, Oh, I can do this next week. They continue to push it off and then they never get it done. And then, but for me, like, I know we're both in kick-ass masterminds. So I love the co-working sessions because I think it really helps me. Like, I feel like I have to tell everyone, okay, this is what I did in this past 25 minute sprint. And if I don't do anything, I feel like bad about it. So like, especially the writing and things like that, like, you are feeling accountable because you're like, I have to tell everyone that what I wrote and if I didn't write anything, then it's just like not a good time. So, right. You don't want to be like, sorry, everyone. I didn't write for the last 20 minutes. I uh, I sat here and twiddled my thumbs or something. Yeah. Which brings me to another tip is like using a timer, setting a timer to do sprints, depending on what you're writing. So if you're trying to come up with ideas or titles or something like that, that can be hard on your creative brain setting a timer to go off every 10 seconds for five minutes and every 10 seconds you have to write one new idea. You're going to move pretty fast. Yeah. You're like, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Something that works for me actually, which is going to sound really, really silly is, well, I get in the shower and then all the ideas just come to my head. So I'm just like, let me go in the shower. And then I know I just recently discovered that they have a shower notepad. I didn't know that was a thing until recently, but I'm like, I need that because I literally get in the shower and then, all these things come pouring to my brain and obviously I can't write them down because I don't have anything to write them down. So it's like, that's my tip for you guys. Like if you're just like feeling drained and like you can't think, like get in the shower. You literally have probably the best ideas come to your mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. That all goes with changing your scenery, taking a shower, going for a walk, even if it's just standing up from your desk, walking away from your computer, doing like 10 push-ups, and then come back. <laughs> Seriously though, like it's just, it's crazy how that happens. Um, and it, yeah, change of scenery is so key. Um, so now let's just dive into the three questions I ask everyone that comes on the show. So what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it? I have to pick one. (laughs) (laughs) And now you can pick multiple things. I know there are so many. So uh, I mean, I I got into this originally because of job security and having young kids who I was missing all the things because I was either working or commuting. (laughs) So yeah, my favorite part is, is being around, being flexible, being able to take my work wherever I go. Like right now I'm, I'm getting ready to move to another state okay. and I can do that. Yeah. You're like, all right, when are we moving? Let's do this. Yeah. Like the timing doesn't matter. Really cool. I don't have to take a vacation to move. This is awesome. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. The, the not reporting to anyone. It's working yeah. on your schedule, on your time. Exactly. And choosing the work you do. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can, you can limit it during that time because you know it's going to be a lot more stressful than typical day-to-day stuff. So yeah. Awesome. yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of answers in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel the same. I mean, the flexibility, the freedom, all the things, like it's just so nice to be able to do what you want and can make pivots when you want. You don't have to stay like with the same thing forever. Like for me, I, I do like the same stuff, but lately I've been craving like change. So if I want to make a pivot, I can do that. So it's really nice. And I think that's just one of many, many perks. Yes. Um, I love it. Um, so another thing is I always like to ask this question because I am a tool junkie. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? Just something that you can't imagine living without basically. I love this question too. I have two because I use them equally constantly all day long. First one is toggle for for time tracking because if, well, a couple of reasons when I was in corporate, I was probably spending 50 hours a week Mm -hmm. working. And I I certainly wasn't going to do that in my own business. (laughs) So I track my time. I track every minute, no matter what I'm doing. And so I have information. So I know how long it's taking me to do certain types of work, how much time I spend doing podcast interviews, and how much time I spend blogging, working on my business, doing bookkeeping. All that data is so helpful. And the other tool I love is Grammarly. Okay. There's a free version and a paid version. If you're just starting out with using that, the free version is good. Mm-hmm. Definitely recommend the paid version. I think it's like a hundred and something a year. Okay, not too bad. Not a huge amount, but it plugs into, there's a currently a beta for Google Docs. Okay. So it's going through Google Docs. And because I write all day, <laughs> yeah, you can okay. miss stuff and it will make you a better writer. So yeah. it's like right there with you telling you what to change. It also plugs into your email in your social media. So it will catch little things like even, even stuff that you would normally not even notice and just glaze over. So those two I use all day long. I love Grammarly too. Um, and I like, it even catches like when you have a space, like too big of a space between a comma, it's like, Oh, cause you know, you're typing fast and you're just like comma. And then it's like, it's like, So I like that too. Um, I think that's really helpful. It's not just for like misspellings and stuff like that and grammatical errors. It's like legit, like you just accidentally forgot to close the space between a comma or something. So, yeah. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource? Um, just someone that you feel like they're always putting out really great content or you're just always inspired by what they're doing. Yeah, this is so admittedly, I do not follow a lot of people because if I do, I hear too many noises. Yeah, yeah. And I don't create. But I think the one that I've stuck with the longest and always love their advice is the unpodcast. So they're all about the un things. Unmarketing is one of their books, unselling, unbranding. And it's all about everything we've been talking about. Not being slimy, not being salesy or icky, doing what feels good, doing what works, feel good, marketing, branding all of that. So they are definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I'll have to check them out. I mean, I definitely don't need another like podcast to my list, but you know, I probably will anyway, because I'm a podcast. The podcast is very entertaining. I highly recommend it. Cool. Well, I'll have to check it out. I mean, I've been limiting my time because I literally used to spend so much time listening to podcasts, but (laughs) I need to stop. Like, I mean, I was still taking action. I wasn't like just listening and not 
doing anything. Like a lot of people get stuck, but but still. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you're like, you can't get too consumed with it. Otherwise, you just don't do anything. Um, but yeah, let us know where we can find you. So your website, your social channels, all that good stuff. Well, the one-stop shop to find me is on my website. That's JacquelineFish.com. And all my social channels are linked there. I'm usually Jackfish everywhere. Awesome. Yeah, I'll link everything in the show notes so you guys can go check that out. But thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed chatting with you. Yay. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com slash episode 105. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Social Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.